0: and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. This week, I'm answering two more questions. The first is from a mom whose sons are resorting more to squabbling and fighting than to playing together. The second from a mom with a toddler who tends to stay awake late into the evenings when he naps, and she's wondering the best way to deal with this. For our first question, Carrie asks... Hi, Erin. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and recently signed up to your online classes. They have been really helpful. Thank you so much. I have two sons, ages seven and four. Over the summer holidays, I have become increasingly frustrated and worried about how the boys interact with each other on a regular basis in the house. I think it's probably due to the amount of time they are spending in each other's company, given it is the school holidays but they seem to be intent on winding each other up, teasing each other, and I'm very aware of the fact that my older son sometimes intentionally annoys my younger son as he knows he will get a rise out of him. In fact, he often laughs and finds it amusing when my younger son gets annoyed, and that really worries me. Most of the time, this escalates and turns physical with them pushing or even hitting each other. Do you have any advice? sometimes these situations start off with the most insignificant actions example he took my sock but they can quickly escalate in one of your classes i heard you reference a dealing with aggression class but i can't find it is it listed under a different name thanks so much carrie now i wrote carrie back right away and i gave her some tips as well as where she could find all this pertinent information in the classes but I'm going to get into her question a bit deeper here, give some more tips and discuss the dynamics of this behavior more in depth as well. Because this is a really common situation. I have this in my home as well. Kids will tend to play and then they start to rough house and pretty soon it's escalating and somebody's hurt one person and the other person gets mad and hurts the other person back. This is very, very common. So the first thing I wanna say is that this is not something to be really concerned about. This is very normal behavior. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't wanna stop it or step in or that you're just going to accept that they're going to punch each other. That's not the case either. So first, I shared with Carrie already that she is right about the amount of time together over the summer being a major factor in this instance. Whether out of boredom or another reason, a lot of time together tends to lead to more squabbles and fighting. Now, one of the classes I'm currently working on is called Misbehaviors and Solutions. And boredom is one of the reasons for misbehavior and so is attention seeking. So either of these could be true in this instance. Now, many times kids will act out just to get attention. Now, in this case, the older brother is getting a reaction or attention from the younger sibling. I remember sharing this kind of struggle in our house with one of my coaching clients. How one of my kids will misbehave, like make rude noises or act really silly during a serious moment or some such thing, and the other siblings will laugh. Well they get the reinforcement they're looking for. It's not from me, it's not coming from the parent, it's coming from a different source the sibling is enforcing the behavior. So I and other parents don't have as much control over the reinforcement in these instances. If it's us doing the reinforcement, we could stop it. When it's the other siblings, that's another piece to the puzzle that we need to work on. So this adds an extra layer of complexity to the situations. Now these are of course a case by case basis, depending on what's happening at that moment. I solved a lot of our instances because it was happening at the breakfast table, Now, one of the things that was not just the rude noises, but the potty talk, and these things are not allowed. So now the rule is one word of potty talk at the table or one rude noise and your meal is done. It's stopped completely. But what do you do when one sibling is egging on another to get a reaction? Again, this is normal behavior. So it's not anything to be concerned about, but it is something to work on, coach, and teach. Okay, but let me touch on the boredom piece for a moment because the last thing we want to do is fill our kids' days so chock full of activities that they don't have a chance to be bored. Boredom allows kids to problem solve and figure out what they can do with their time. So they need that, right? We are not their cruise director or entertainment fulfilling every vacant moment of their day. So we have to allow for this time for them to get bored, but then also make sure they aren't using it to wreak havoc, in this case, with the little brother. Now, of course, part of this equation, and I'm gonna just apologize here, I'm gonna do my best to cover this, and I'm trying to do it in a really organized fashion, but there's a lot of things at play here, so I'm gonna cover a lot of different points, and they all sort of intermingle and interconnect, so I hope that this all makes sense, and I hope that I get this out in a cohesive, coherent manner as much as possible. So, back to the question. Of course, part of this equation is the child who is reacting. So there's no magic bullet with these situations, but the time invested now will pay off earlier and sooner. Your children will be more mature and better behaved because they understand the expectations and they get the practice. So for the one who's reacting and like teaching anything, this will take time, but we want to teach the one reacting that the reaction will only bring more of what he or she does not want. So interestingly, that actually sounds like the law of attraction. If you follow the law of attraction, you know we get more of whatever we put our attention on. So it's true in these cases, right? If we give attention or react to someone annoying us, they're just going to want to do it more. It's been reinforced. They think, ooh, look what I can do. I'm so powerful, especially when it comes to kids. They love to have that power. The younger they are, the harder it is going to be for them to grasp that concept that the reaction is going to bring more of what they don't want. But work with the child who's doing the reacting. Carrie, in your case, it's your four-year-old. So you want to give him tools to deal with it without reacting or overreacting. Teach him that the reaction will increase the problem. In this case, the best thing to do is to tell his brother to stop. I don't like it. If he doesn't stop is to leave the situation immediately, just walk away. If he wants, he can come to you if he feels like he needs that extra help, which is going to be pretty common at that younger age. They're going to come to us and ask for some help. For the older one, talk with him about how he's getting out of control and that what he's doing hurts, it's not appropriate. How hurting another person or annoying another person is unacceptable, whether he's just playing or not. Really big lesson for kids and we teach this really strongly in our house. No means no. Stop means stop. They need to stop immediately. So that's why we want to work with the other child to say, stop. I don't like it. Please don't touch me anymore. You're hurting me. Now this isn't always easy or feasible, but it also helps if you can stay close by. So when you hear it start to escalate, you can step in right away. Split them up, Speak with them both and send them off to do separate activities for a little while. It's best if you have some ideas ready to go or you can help them each find something they enjoy. Building with blocks or Lego, crafts, reading, puzzles, and the like. It's a bit of a balance, but once they're getting to the point where they're fighting, to the point where they're hurting or overly annoying the other, they're showing they've gone beyond their limit of being able to handle that. Freedom, that playtime. So it's time to engage them in another, preferably separate, activity. Now you can engage one or both of them into something you are doing or need help with, whether it's cooking, cleaning, organizing, or fixing things around the house. I also let Carrie know that I have been meaning to create the class on dealing with aggression, but I have not been able to get to that yet. But I shared some tips on how to deal with aggressive behavior when it does happen. So I'll share these here as well. First, we want to set up rules about aggression in the home. We teach our kids what aggression is and that it's not appropriate. Like I talked about before, no means no, stop means stop. In Carrie's case, and many others will relate to this as well, her boys are generally getting carried away. It's not someone getting mad in just hitting, punching, or kicking to purposefully hurt another. Now, sometimes it's getting to this if one child gets hurt first and the other one retaliates. However, it is also the case that the older one is annoying and even hurting the younger one to get a reaction. So, for teaching about aggression and setting rules in the home, first, sit down and have a talk about how hurting each other physically or with words is not acceptable. Talk about conflict resolution, the things or steps we do instead to let someone know we are upset or angry. We wanna teach our kids how to say no, don't, or stop, and how to get up and walk away. Now, if one of the other children upsets the other children, we'd work with them on sharing their feelings and the reason. I'm angry that you knocked my castle over. You punched too hard, that hurt. And then we work with our kids to work through the disagreements when you hear them escalating. These communication skills take time and practice and coaching. But you would be amazed how well kids who have been coached can talk through issues with each other at six and seven years old. And by eight to nine, they can handle almost every disagreement together. Not always. They're still going to come to you. They're still going to need help. But they're going to start to do a vast majority of these on their own and need to consult you less and less. When we come back after the break from our sponsor, Kind Bars, I will share the steps to take when dealing with aggression, when it happens, and then I'll cover our second question on toddler naps. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code parenting for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code parenting at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple Curious about byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now for the steps to dealing with aggression when it does happen. The basic idea we want to communicate is that we all get frustrated or angry, but that we use our words to resolve conflict rather than acting out physically. Or verbally. When a child gets hurt you first want to give attention to the one who got hurt but without going overboard. Ask the child who got hurt if he or she is okay. If there are any scrapes or scratches then go ahead and take care of those. Then coach the child who was aggressive. Ask him or her about the house rules, about how the other child feels, about what he or she should do differently next time and have a consequence for aggression. I know I talk a lot about how consequences should be a last resort, and they should, but with aggression, there does need to be an intervention every single time. Sometimes that intervention is just coaching, especially if they're very young or it is a very minor infraction. Like I already shared, coaching the child on making better choices next time and a logical consequence in place, such as a child throws a toy, the child loses that toy for a little while. A short time if they're very young, a little bit longer if they're older because they should know better. Now it makes sense that if you can't be responsible with your toys, that you might break it or you might hurt someone, that you don't get the privilege of using that toy for a little while. If your child is aggressive to another child at the park or at another child's house, it's perfectly reasonable to give a warning the first time, depending on how severe the aggression is. That if it happens again, you will take him or her home. Or if there's a child over at your house, let your child know if it can't play nice, your friend is going to have to go home. Then, of course, you must follow through. This is the most important part. The follow through lets the child know that you mean what you say. If you don't follow through, then all they learn is I can hit and smack and punch my friends all I want and mom's just going to threaten me or dad's just going to threaten me and nothing's going to happen. So it actually will reinforce the behavior because it's better not to say anything and not follow through than it is to say something and set a consequence and then not follow through. So now the tone is always one of teaching. It's never done out of anger or revenge. Sometimes we expect our children to know better. Sometimes it's embarrassing or we feel it reflects on us. We feel if we get our child to get upset or angry that the lesson will take hold stronger, that they will learn their lesson. But that's not necessarily true. The consequence is about responsibility. Act responsibly, choose responsible ways of sharing your feelings, and you can continue to play with your friends. If you make bad choices in sharing your frustrations or anger, especially if it happens more than once in one play session, after the first coaching session, then it's time to give it a rest for the day and try again another day. Now, if you feel like you need some more support in this area, some of the classes that I sent Carrie to were the discipline classes. So the positive discipline will give lots of background, lots of support in all the ways in helping deal with kids and teach them different ways of behaving and acting and making better choices that help kids learn internal motivation for better behavior and also help build that parent-child connection, which is so important when it comes to having an influence on our children, their decisions, and behaviors. And those, of course, are on the discipline tab on the website at yourvillageonline.com. The other class I sent Carrie to is the Siblings Without Rivalry, which gives lots of different ways to build sibling connections and also some of the don'ts, some of the very, very common things that we parents do, traps we fall into, which actually tend to key up the rivalry between our children so those things we want to stay away from now our next question on toddler naps comes from Beth hi Erin I love your podcast and I'm a member for the month so I can devour a bunch of classes they are very helpful in a great objective way to keep my husband and I on the same page I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and except for some chunks of time that I just chalk up to normal sleep regressions both sleep pretty well I have a question about my three-year-old's naps. My three-year-old takes a nap from about 1.30 to 3.30 every day and is very willing to do so, but there have been some days recently where he doesn't get a nap. My husband is a teacher and gets summers off. I still work full time, although three days a week, I get to work from home, which means my husband is a stay-at-home dad over the summers. He does not have an easy time getting the three-year-old to sleep though. So depending on what the one-year-old needs or what they're doing in a day, sometimes the three-year-old misses his nap. On the days my three-year-old misses his nap, he remains very happy and awake throughout the day. And at bedtime, he's asleep within five minutes. On the days he takes naps, even if he goes to bed a little earlier, it takes him so long to fall asleep. Bedtime is 730. I like for him to be asleep by 815. On no nap days, he's asleep before I can even get downstairs. On days he takes a nap, he lies awake in his bed, not crying, fussing, talking, or playing, just rolling around, quietly playing with his hair until around 930. Even if we don't get him to bed until 830, an hour to fall asleep seems like a long time. Is this a big deal? Does it not matter? Is it better to keep the nap even though it means he's up later at night? Great question. It does sound like your three-year-old is ready to drop the naps. It's early, but it's not out of the range of normal at all. We had this exact situation with my oldest. Literally the day he turned three, he was done napping and we had the exact same issue. If he would fall asleep and take a nap, he would be up late into the evening chit-chatting to himself in his room. If he didn't take a nap and he would get through the day just fine as well, he would go to his room and fall asleep within 10 to 15 minutes. So I would advise to drop the naps so that he can do a consolidated sleep at night. But the biggest benefit to this is for the adults to have some time in the evenings to themselves. But really it's a personal choice. If he's waking up refreshed either way or if he sleeps in when he falls asleep late and it's not a problem, as in he doesn't need to be up for school at a specific time and since he does stay in his room, it's not really affecting your evenings. But given the signs that he's ready to drop the naps, I would just advise going ahead for that. The reason is that it will set up a good bedtime schedule for when he is in school and does need to get up at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. This way he doesn't get used to a 9 p.m. bedtime for a long period of time and then you aren't trying to pull it back earlier. The other thing I would suggest is to still have him do some quiet time in the afternoons, at his normal nap time. This gives him some quiet time to relax, play quietly with some quiet toys in his room, or look at books. 20 to 40 minutes is good. It gives his brain and body a chance to relax and rejuvenate, but without sleeping, so it won't affect him being able to fall asleep at bedtime. Now, as I shared with my oldest, stop napping at three. It was funny because I was the one who cried. (laughs) I was very upset. I wasn't ready for him to drop his naps, but he was. And now he is my my super high energy child, the one who's the gifted swimmer, and he's up on his own, six to 6.30 every morning, up and dressed, working on an activity, out playing handball. He just doesn't require as much sleep as his siblings. If you have a parenting question you would like answered, please send them to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.